Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning, with your host, Gordon Deal. United Nations group tied to terrorism. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Nicole Murray. On this Tuesday, January 30th, glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. New intel alleged that savers at the main UN aid agency in Gaza took part in the Hamas terror attack on Israel. The Biden administration is still calculating a response to a deadly drone strike on U.S. troops in Jordan. Hear what's being said. We have a potential new health-related milestone. Elon Musk says his Neuralink company has implanted a brain chip in a human. And the glimmer of hope for Donald Trump among his legal problems. There's a lot of pundits out there who just don't see a scenario where the Supreme Court is going to kick Trump off the ballot. They don't see a way that the justices could uphold this decision that the Colorado Supreme Court made. And so that's why, out of all the things that Trump is facing right now, in the near future, this seems like the one that could potentially be his biggest glimpse of hope. Kalen Deese at the Washington Examiner on Trump's oral arguments before the Supreme Court next week. The U.S. is trying to figure out why the nearly 350 troops stationed at the Tower 22 base in Jordan were unable to stop a deadly drone attack this weekend that killed three soldiers and wounded more than 40 other troops. Two officials say an American drone was approaching the base around the same time the attack drone was incoming. Another possible factor, the attack drone was flying low and was missed by base defenses. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. And that response could be multi-leveled, come in stages, and be sustained over time. Pentagon Deputy Press Secretary Sabrina Singh blamed the drone attack on a militia supported by the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard. We don't seek war, but we will take action um, and respond to attacks on our forces. It was the first deadly strike against U.S. troops since the Israel-Hamas war erupted in October. Killed in Sunday's attack, 46-year-old Sergeant William Jerome Rivers of Carrollton, Georgia, 24-year-old Specialist Kennedy Sanders of Waycross, Georgia, and 23-year-old specialist Brianna Moffitt of Savannah. What exactly is this Jordanian base that's called Tower 22, where a one-way drone attack killed those three American troops and injured more than three dozen others? Here's this morning's Mike Gavin. The base is a little-known desert outpost near the border with Syria and Iraq, part of a sandy berm that marks a demilitarized zone. The area once saw refugee camps spring up on the Syrian side over the rise of the Islamic State group's so-called caliphate in 2014. The Associated Press says at its height, over 100,000 people lived there, blocked from entering Jordan over concerns about ISIS infiltration. Jordan initially denied the Tower 22 base existed within its border after the attack on Sunday. Gordon. Thanks, Mike. The United Nations says it's dwindled to some 7,500 people because of a lack of supplies there. The base began as a Jordanian outpost watching the border. The small installation includes U.S. engineering, aviation, logistics, and security troops with about 350 U.S. Army and Air Force personnel. The attack that killed three U.S. troops and wounded at least 34 others Sunday at that base in the Middle East came from a one-way attack drone and represents the latest in an increasingly lethal barrage aimed at bases with American troops in the region. It's a story by Tom Vandenbroek, Pentagon reporter at USA Today. Tom, what's going on? Well, uh, there are a couple things going on here, Gordon. Um, one of the first is that these small drones are very difficult to, um, to pick up. They come in, they're pre-programmed, and they're launched um, 
and the operator doesn't have to watch where they you know steer them into the uh, into the target and the army has uh, stood up a special task force to try to figure out how to counter these things obviously they have not quite figured out exactly how to do that in a foolproof way so one of these drones got through packed with explosives I'm told it detonated near uh, living quarters where US troops are and uh, the result was three dead and um, 34 wounded. Yeah. How big are these drones, by the way? Like maybe the one that struck that base in Jordan? Well, that's unclear, I guess. But, uh, you know, they essentially these are just commercial quadcopters for the most part, right? And they, um, they can carry a payload and it doesn't take a whole lot if it's, you know, a, a sophisticated explosive to cause a lot of damage and, and, and mayhem. Yeah. It's been said that these are one-way drones. What does that mean exactly? Well, that's it. Just what I said before. They, you know, they they're designed just for this purpose. They're not going to return to their, you know, to the operator. The operator sets them up. They've got a target that's programmed into their guidance system. They head to that target and and detonate. So there's that's it. Just one-way attack. Wow. So the one that caused the fatalities in Jordan is that considered a lucky shot? Well, some uh, officials have told me that this has been a concern of theirs for quite a while, that um, that we, there would be something like what they say is basically a, a golden BB is the term that they've used, a lucky shot. Could have been in this case that that's what it was. Um, you know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, they've been. I was just told this morning that this is the third such attack on this uh, particular base, Tower 22 in Jordan. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's possible that... Um, it was a lucky shot. Also, you know, they're continuing to do this. So, um, you know, maybe not. Maybe this is, you know, part of a concerted effort that they're uh, having success with. Mm. We're speaking with Tom Vandenbroek, Pentagon reporter at USA Today. His story is called Drone Strike on U.S. Troops, shows how service members in Mideast face increasingly lethal attacks. Is this war right now for us? Well, that's a good question, right? It sure seems like it in, in many ways. It hasn't been declared, and there's some... Uh, there's some, you know, calls on the Hill right now to um, to have the president seek approval from Congress for just that. Um, obviously, the administration wants to do what it can to limit this. Uh, there's no real desire to go to a, a war with Iran that would be exceptionally bloody and dangerous. So, you know, they've got to calibrate their next moves. They're vowing retaliation. But, you know, what that means and whether it deters these militants is another matter. Yeah. The Congress seems divided, at least in, in parts here. Right. I mean, you've got Republicans calling for, you know, a direct attack on Iran and, you know, accusing, I think it was Senator Tom Cotton called uh, Biden a coward if he doesn't attack Iran, Iran directly. Boy, that would be a real surprise, I think, at this point, given the concerns about widening this war. So I guess that is the ultimate question then. So what do you do if you're not going to strike inside Iran? How do you stop its, its proxies? Right. Well, interestingly, last week, I believe it was last week, after one of these recent attacks that wounded um, some U.S. troops in in Iraq, the Pentagon mounted a, a more robust attack on some of these militias and went after the Ira- Iranian Republican Guard Corps uh, targets that, you know, that train and equip them. So it, they didn't hit inside Iran, but they went more directly after more or less the root cause of this. Now, would it seems like that would be a likely target for the next sort of um, retaliatory strike, but whether or not that happens inside or, you know, Iran proper is another matter. Thanks, Tom. Tom Vandenbroek, Pentagon reporter at USA Today.
Ever feel like your finance software just isn't cutting it anymore? I say dump it. Hey, it's Gordon Deal, here to tell you about Ramp. It's the financial software you need to manage your expenses and avoid unnecessary work. You see, Ramp is more than a corporate card. It's a spending management software. It'll save you time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives your finance teams control and insight. You can issue a card to each employee with specific limits and automated expense reports. Ramp will systematically collect receipts and categorize expenses in real time. Just go to ramp.com slash Gordon. No more chasing down receipts or long hours on reports. Businesses using Ramp save an average of 5% in their first year. And now get $250 when you join Ramp. Ramp.com slash Gordon. That's R-A-M-P dot com slash Gordon. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank, members FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. Get $250 when you join Ramp. Ramp.com slash Gordon. Hey, thanks for being with us. Welcome into Tuesday. A damning new report finds at least 12 employees of the UN's Palestinian Refugee Agency had connections to the October terror attack by Hamas on Israel, and around 10% of all its Gaza staff have ties to Islamist militant groups. The Intel dossier reviewed by the Wall Street Journal says of the six United Nations Relief and Works Agency workers who were part of the wave of Palestinian militants who did the killing, two helped kidnap Israelis. Two others were tracked to sites where scores of Israeli civilians were shot and killed. Others coordinated logistics for the assault, including procuring weapons. Hillel Neuer is executive director of UN Watch, a group in Geneva that monitors the performance of the United Nations. We cannot trust UNRWA to hold anyone accountable on this issue. They don't even have the powers of criminal prosecution. They said they'd be prosecuted. Who's going to prosecute them? In, in Gaza, the authority is Hamas. Are they going to hand them over to Israel? UNRWA would never do that. Nearly half of all the employees also had close relatives who also had official ties to the militant groups. The Trump administration suspending funded, uh, suspended funding for UNRWA back in 2018. The Biden administration restored it. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning. Here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. President Biden's administration says it is not seeking war with Iran after a deadly drone attack killed three U.S. soldiers and injured dozens more in Jordan over the weekend. Officials say the response, however, could be multi-level and come in stages sustained over time. National White House Security Council spokesperson John Kirby came to Biden's defense that the election year has no weight on the president's decision. He's not looking at political calculations or the polling or the electoral calendar as he works to protect our troops ashore and our ships at sea. And any suggestion to the contrary is offensive. Number two. House Democrats have released a report defending Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas against impeachment, calling it a politically motivated sham. House Republicans released two articles of impeachment against the secretary on Sunday, accusing him of willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law and a breach of public trust. Mississippi Democratic Congressman Benny Thompson. This is a singly focused effort uh, led by Republicans uh, who are just trying to drum up this notion that somehow uh, this is an issue. Uh, that the the Republicans can ride into November. The House Homeland Security Committee is set to vote on the resolution today. Number three. The U.S. Department of State has issued a level two travel advisory for travelers planning on going to the Bahamas. 
tourists are being urged to exercise extreme caution due to a surge in violent crime resulting from gang-on-gang violence. A total of 18 murders have occurred since January 1st, with the majority taking place in New Providence and Grand Bahama Islands. A South Carolina man is set to appear in court next month after he allegedly drunkenly slapped an employee at Walt Disney World over a restaurant's dress code. Fox 35 Orlando reports 64-year-old John Monroe was charged with battery and has pleaded not guilty. He will appear in court on February 16th. Happiest place on earth. Could you imagine being his friends and your vacation is sideswiped like that? Smacking an employee in a restaurant. Thank you, Nicole. One of the easiest, safest investments last year is losing its luster, and there really isn't an easy answer for what to do now. For much of last year, the boring money market fund became one of the hottest investments on Wall Street, often returning well over 5%. Lately, returns have started to come down. Potential next steps from Imani Moise, personal finance reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Imani, what's the status of money markets arena? It's still pretty hot, but what we've seen, um, I guess, in the run-up over the last few years is that as interest rates got higher, uh, money markets became this kind of magical place to get um, upwards of 5% on your money in a lot of cases for really no risk. Um, So it's just kind of been this easy money kind of hack, but as people are expecting interest rates to fall, those those options are going to get less lucrative. And also, it's nice to have 5%, but when markets are at all-time high, you probably want to get in on that and and use that and put some of that dry powder in the market. Gotcha. All right. So um, are we seeing any trends that indicate people are giving up on money market funds at this point? It's, it's still early days. So we started to see some outflows from money market funds. Um, but I think a lot of those tend to be on the institutional side. I think on the retail side, a lot of people are very, very comfortable with that 5%. And honestly, I can't blame them. Yeah. All right. So if we were looking at the stock market or elsewhere thinking, okay, you know what, time might be running out for the money market funds and their high returns. Uh, where might we turn? I think the the biggest thing to know is that um, just because stocks are at an all-time high does not mean it's a bad time to invest. I think uh, we kind of instinctually have this uh, thought that, okay, what goes up must come down. But if you look at history, um, that, you know, the laws of physics don't do a great job of explaining the market. You know? <laughs> okay. um, so actually, I talked to some technical analysts, and they mentioned that an all-time high is the most bullish thing that a, that a market can do. In fact, a year is more likely to have multiple all-time highs or zero. It's rare that you see just one. So now that we've hit it, it might be a good time to get in so you can take advantage of the of the following ones. Interesting. We're speaking with Imani Moise, personal finance reporter at the Wall Street Journal, about her story called The Money Market Bonanza is Over. So is now the time for stocks. All right, so that's kind of a glimpse at U.S. stocks, I guess. What about uh, value or international funds? You looked at those too. Yeah, I think the stocks that get a lot of hype are obviously the technology stocks like the FANG stocks or anything around AI that's definitely been powering this market higher. Uh, However, uh, analysts and and financial advisors say there's still really good deals to be had in value stocks. I think value stocks have been on a tear since at least November. Um, And people think that trade has legs. Uh, The other one is international stocks. So Fidelity in particular is really bullish on international stocks because the U.S. stock market has done really well and outperformed the global market. Uh, but that's unlikely to continue. So it's, it's, they're predicting that international stocks will begin to outperform domestic stocks. So if, you're, if you want to get in and you don't want to kind of 
pay that high price for the, all the trendiest stocks right now, there's still some good deals out there. Thanks, Amani. Amani Moise, personal finance reporter at the Wall Street Journal, says doing nothing is okay as well. If you still have landline phone service, you may have noticed that your monthly bills have been skyrocketing. That's because the FCC no longer regulates copper lines and phone companies are jacking up the price of their service. UMA is an internet home phone service that lets you keep enjoying the safety and peace of mind of a home phone without paying an arm and a leg. In fact, with a one-time purchase of the UMA Tello, you get internet home phone service for free. All you pay are applicable taxes and fees. Unlike mobile phones, UMA has address-based 911, so dispatchers will know exactly where to find you in an emergency. In the event you call 911, UMA can send a text alert to loved ones. UMA even includes a free mobile app so you can take your home number on the go. And don't worry, you can keep your home phone number for a one-time fee or get a new one for free. Setup is easy. It takes less than 10 minutes. Stop paying too much for home phone service. Visit UMA.com slash Gordon Deal today to get a special discount. That's O-O-M-A dot com slash Gordon Deal. Edgy, smart, bringing you what you need to know. This is America's First News This Morning with Gordon Deal. Glad you're with us. Welcome into Tuesday, January 30th. Gordon Deal with Nicole Murray. Some of our top stories and headlines. U.S. still calculating a response to a deadly drone attack on American troops in Jordan. Israeli intel ties a U.N. relief agency in Gaza to the Hamas terror attacks. Another atmospheric river arrives in the Pacific Northwest today. We're learning of a second swatting attempt at the home of Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley. It happened New Year's Day. Princess Kate back home after abdominal surgery. Fresh record for the S&P 500. And the warehouse worker turned Elvis impersonator. That story in about 20 minutes. Former President Trump is likely far from a full reprieve in his never-ending legal saga, but he could soon see victories in the courtroom, including in his fight to remain on state primary ballots. Insight from Kaylin Deese, Supreme Court reporter at the Washington Examiner. Kaylin, where's a glimpse of hope? Yeah, so the biggest glimpse of hope, I think, is uh, not what we're seeing right now in his criminal trials, partly in that those are so um, far behind on schedule due to various appeals. But the one thing that I think that a lot of people are sort of looking toward right now is what's going to happen at the Supreme Court on February 8th, when the justices will take a look at that Colorado Supreme Court decision that decided to kick Trump off the ballot. Now, the reason why this is something that could be a glimpse of hope for Trump is something that we've been talking about in the media for several weeks is that Legal pundits across the board, there are a few that, you know, say perhaps the Colorado Supreme Court could be right. But there's a lot of pundits out there who just don't see a scenario where the Supreme Court is going to kick Trump off the ballot. They don't see a way that the justices could uphold this decision that the Colorado Supreme Court made. And so that's why, out of all the things that Trump is facing right now in the near future, this seems like the one that could potentially be his biggest glimpse of hope. So Colorado has zeroed in on the 14th Amendment, right? Explain what's happening there. Yeah, so what Colorado's justices there, the 4-3 to decision held, was that uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which uh, bars anyone from running for office if they have engaged in insurrection, um, that should, that it, it should not only apply to Trump uh, because they said he helped incite the, the insurrection there on uh, January 6, 2021, but not only did they do that, but they reversed a uh, state court holding that the 
Section 3 applies to presidents. So that, that, that was kind of the big reversal there, is that Trump uh, was found to have been guilty of inciting an, an insurrection by that judge, but they did not think that, that it applied to, to presidents. So that's going to be kind of, you know, one of the, the merits issues that the Supreme Court is going to be dealing with. But the thing that a lot of people, you know, have been honing in on is that perhaps the merits of this whole issue is not going to be something that the justices try to tap in on, because that gets into the criticism that this becomes more of a political question. Yeah. And that's something that the Supreme Court really doesn't want to go down as far as that type of slope. Mm. We're speaking with Kaylin Deese, Supreme Court reporter at the Washington Examiner. His story is called Trump Sees Glimpse of Hope Amid Web of Legal Woes. All right, so you sort of hinted at it there, but there are the optics here that Trump uh, essentially has appointed a third of the Supreme Court. Yes, that's 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 the truth. You know, we've we've seen it. Um, you know, with people, even like Trump's attorney, Alina Haba, has even, you know, made some suggestions about uh, her hopes for the way that some uh, justices, i.e. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, could could vote in this decision. I mean, we're seeing, you know, the optics even being put on display by the uh, the the defendant in, the, in, in this case. And, uh, you know, that's something that, that, that we all know, uh, you know, federal judges, judges in general, you know, don't like in any way to have their... Uh, their decisions uh, seen as political. So that's what's led a lot of these uh, legal scholars. Uh, for example, there was a recent discussion with uh, Jonathan Yu at Berkeley and Richard Epstein from New York University um, uh, with this uh, uh, panel. And, 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 and essentially they were, they were getting down to the core of, you know, how the justices could decide this issue without actually, you know, getting to the merits of the, of, of, of the case. And that, you know, one of the things that uh, Epstein was, was, was looking at was that the Section 3 uh, points to this language that talks about officers of the United States. And he's, you know, saying, okay, so Section 3 is talking about officers, but the uh, Appointments Clause of the Constitution says that the president is the one who is making officer appointments. So how could the president be an officer if he's the one appointing, you know, other officers. It's kind of, wow. he said it's basically down to the distinction of like, you know, the, the R at the end of our officer. Thanks, Kaylin. Kaylin Deese, Supreme Court reporter at the Washington Examiner. Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Tuesday. Time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, this isn't the first time we've heard a story like this, but it never fails to rile people up when it happens, as most of us have just about had it with being asked for tips and extra donations everywhere we go. A post went viral on Reddit showing a self-service checkout kiosk asking for a tip on a $2 bottle of water. The post contained a picture of the kiosk screen, which gave options for a 10%, 15%, or 20%. 20% option for the tip with an option below in much smaller font for no tip. Commenters, as you can imagine, were both stunned and fed up with many asking the question, who does this tip money to the machine go to? One person who said they install these types of machines confirmed that the company pays extra for the tipping feature on them and that what they receive in return is profitable because there are more people than you think that would give a tip without thinking. I believe that. Yeah, I, I do believe that. But this 
That's a great question. Where does the tip go? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, and you cannot proceed the way the screen looked. You know, you cannot proceed unless you make an option one way or another. Yeah. You have to decide tip or no tip, or else you're not even allowed to pay and check out yeah. on, on this particular screen. But you got to, you need a, you need a microscope, right, and a search right. party to, to find <laughs> the button that says no tip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely, it's going right to the uh, company's bottom line. I, I can't imagine there's any worker that's getting any of this, any of this tip anywhere in the store. There's a bagel shop I go to where they they ask for a tip on the on the screen on the touch screen, right? As you know, you swipe, and uh, there there's one guy. He's so grumpy. Yeah, I feel like I should get a discount for having just to deal with him. <laughs> Never mind, you know, leave a tip. Right. But yeah. uh, but you come at me with like a, at least a little bit friendly and make some sort of effort. Right. Tip included. Right, and that's a different story. There are Man. people who are actually preparing your food yeah. there. Some interaction with right. them as well. The self service kiosk is a whole different deal than the uh, than paying up at the bagel store. Yeah. And uh, as a parent who was once forced to watch countless hours of Sesame Street as an adult, I didn't care for the Elmo character, though you can't fault him for his never-ending positivity. It was with that energy that Elmo took to social media yesterday to check in on the mood of the public and likely got much more than he bargained for. Yesterday morning, Elmo's ex-account posted an innocent enough question writing, Elmo's just checking in. How's everybody doing? And the responses on a Monday morning during the dark, cold days of January were a downer for sure. One user wrote, I'm at my lowest. Thanks for asking. Some used the time to mourn the losses of the Lions and Ravens in the NFL playoffs. Others were more personal. One user wrote, wife left me, daughters don't respect me, my job's a joke, any more questions, Elmo? <laughs> Another fan did, every morning I cannot wait to go back to sleep, every Monday I cannot wait for Friday to come, every single day and every single week for life. But it's not all bleak. The Buffalo Wild Wings chain took the opportunity to chime in, answering Elmo's question. Brutal, but we've got BOGO wing deals every Tuesday and Thursday. So Nice. That's funny. <laughs> yes, hijacking the comments with some, uh, some wing specials. What was the purpose of that Elmo post, you think? I, I don't know what Elmo was thinking, he, what kind of responses he thought he was yeah. going to get back. I don't know if, you know, we, we all know that the country's not in the best mood right mm -hmm. now. And certainly this time of year, nobody's in a good mood. So, yeah, probably, you know, can't imagine that they thought they were it was going to be a great response. Well, like you said, maybe trying to inject some of that never-ending positivity. Yeah, yeah, I guess hoping that some people were like, it's doing great on a rainy Monday yeah. morning, Elmo. Right. Fantastic. <laughs> Bring it on. Thanks, Mike. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, they provide real-time product availability online and have sourcing specialists who can help you track down hard-to-find items. And their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for being with us. The job market is getting more competitive. For job seekers looking for ways to make their application stand out, here are tips on crafting the perfect resume. Resumes, for one, should be organized and easy to scan for information. Experts tell USA Today that a little pop of color is fine, but most professions don't need the job application to show off their design skills. In fact, some designs could hurt if resume scanning software is unable to pick up on keywords. Also, artificial intelligence chatbots can be a great resume starter, but can hurt your chances when hiring managers want authenticity. Another tip, be specific. For instance, don't just say you're a good salesperson. Say exactly how many deals you closed in a quarter. And finally, add a value proposition, like a short paragraph. 
near the top of the resume that makes clear why you're the right hire. Your resume is a marketing document, remember, not an employment history. You're marketing yourself to the buyer, which is the employer. It should communicate, I am the answer to the problem you have. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. U.S. air defenses failed to stop a deadly drone attack that killed three American soldiers in Jordan over the weekend due to a drone mix-up. U.S. officials say the enemy's rocket arrived at the same time an American drone was returning to base. Deputy Press Secretary Sabrina Singh. What I can tell you is that um, we know these groups are supported by Iran, um, and therefore they do have their fingerprints on this, but I can't tell you more in terms of who directed the attack. The Pentagon has released the names of the three American service members who were killed. Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, Specialist Kennedy Sanders, and Specialist Breonna Alexandria Moffat. Number two. Israeli intelligence documentation shows at least 12 employees of the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, or UNRWA, participated in or aided Hamas's October 7th attack on Israel. Workers have been accused of actions ranging from kidnapping Israelis to supplying logistical support. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. It is imperative that UNRWA immediately, uh, as it said it would, uh, investigate that it hold people accountable uh, as necessary, and that it review its uh, procedures. As a result, the U.S. has suspended funding to the U.N. agency. Number three. A South Carolina judge has denied Alex Murdaugh's request for a new murder trial after his attorneys accused a county clerk of jury tampering. The allegations were made against Colton County Court Clerk Rebecca Hill, who has denied the accusations. Hill wrote a book about the trial and made $100,000 in sales. Judge Jean Toll. Ms. Hill was attracted by the siren call of celebrity. She wanted to write a book about the trial and expressed that as early as November 2022, long before the trial began. Toll concluded that the jurors were not persuaded by Hill's actions. A man accused of stealing money from a bank customer had a furry surprise in his pocket. When patting down the suspect, police discovered a tiny blue-eyed puppy. You made that up. I, I swear, I bet you he wanted to use it as a distraction. Like, oh, the cute puppy, where'd the right. suspect go? Right, go home. Don't worry, yeah. about, don't, don't, don't worry about the stealing money. You got a cute puppy, go home. Right. Thanks, Nicole. Now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions, we push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. That's dell.com slash welcome to now. Thanks for being with us. A warehouse worker who entertained friends with his Elvis impersonations is now earning 500 bucks a night as a tribute act after they sneaked a video of him to a showbiz agent. Danny Turney, a father of two, worked as a warehouse supervisor for 15 years in England, stacking and moving pallets. Goodnewsnetwork.org says it a memorial for his late grandmother. He put on a sequin suit, and a pal secretly recorded the performance. She might be his guardian angel now, after his buddy sent a video of him singing to agents at MK Promotions without him knowing. Danny received seven or eight missed calls from a number he didn't know, and finally called them back. The company wanted to hire him. It got to the point where he did 18 shows over one weekend. 
using the stage name Danny Graceland. Now he's got a live band and just recorded an Elvis tribute album entitled If I Can Dream, the title of his favorite Elvis song. That'll do it for this hour. For Nicole Murray and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.